you're so ready. Yes, I'm ready for love. You've got it. Welcome to Awesome with Allison and Eric too. I'm Allison. Yes, I am. And our only goal with this podcast is to help you feel more awesome each time you listen. Whether it's by laughing at us, laughing with us, or learning something new and helpful, we hope you feel a tad more empowered, lightened up, and awesome than you did before. I am here with the one, the only, the sexy, the sensitive, the teasing, the pleasing, Mr. Eric Robertson. I don't think you've said sensitive before. You are just a sweet, sensitive guy. I think you've been working on your sensitive side. I don't know. Thanks, though. Let's have the podcast weigh in. Hey, Awesome Empire. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome to episode 96, How to Use Writing to Heal and Reveal. (laughs) You're welcome for that. With Ashmay. I am so excited to bring you this episode. And... I wonder if people can tell the difference between when we record in the morning and when we record at the night time. Because at the night, at the night, at the night time, because I have a lot of energy right now. I think it's also that I went and I worked out. And so then I'm happy, Allison, until about one o'clock where I just start laying on a couch and staring at a wall because I'm so tired because I woke up at 6 a.m. to go work out. Which you have been doing for a couple weeks now. I'm not trying to brag. I'm just low-key bragging that I have been waking up at 6 a.m. to work out. And here's, here's what I would like to say about that. I have not used an alarm to wake up in probably five years. That is what I needed to do in my life. I'd get my workouts in. If I got them in, I'd get them out at different times of the day. Right now, for where my kids are at, for where I'm at, for where my work schedule's at, this is working for me. And I will say the only reason why I continue to do it, like, I don't know if it's going to get easier. I keep thinking that waking up that early is going to get easier. But this morning I woke up and I literally felt like I had been hit by a bus, which I've been hit by a car. So I can tell you (laughs) it's not funny, but it's true. It's like you miss a couple days and then it goes back to being impossible all over again. But I will say it has been absolutely incredible. And the only reason I'm doing it is because when I come home from working out that early, I am the best mom in the universe. I agree. I am not mad at my children. I get them ready for school. They're still yelling about like, find your freaking shoes. They're still yelling like that, but it's not like that. Fiona bit rad this morning. Fiona did bite rad. And there's not that just screaming like there used to be. Like I And I did some dishes this morning. Again, I'm You're doing great. I I really am loving these mornings when you get up and work out. Thank you. So I'm just going to offer that to you. Again, don't beat yourself up if that doesn't work for you right now. That hasn't worked for me in like five years, but it's working for me right now. And I will testify. I will testify to it. We are just going to do a nobody cares about your kids really quick because really nobody does care about our kids, but everybody has been laughing so hard when I tell them this story. Eric's been getting the kids into bike riding. And actually, Ginger is almost nine, and she just learned how to ride a bike. We've tried multiple times, and it never took. And then she wanted another bike. Her, one of her bikes got stolen. And I said, I'm not buying another bike until you learn how to ride a bike. So go go use your friends. And so she she figured it out. She got a bike. And then, of course, Eric naturally needed to go buy himself a bike. To go on rides with her. To go on rides. I came into a bike. And then Rad, who is six, goes to me, Mom, you know how to ride a bike? 
and has been genuinely so surprised that I know how to ride a bike, which I only bring this up that Rad never thinks I can do anything. I don't know what, why he has so little faith in me. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I mean, he's never seen you ride a bike. So in all fairness, it was a big shock. So I just wanted to share, take this opportunity to share with everyone. Yes. I can ride a bike. I'm not super happy about it. You'll, you'll see her in the X Games this summer. <laughs> but like we said, absolutely nobody cares about your kids. We do care about feeling a little more awesome than we did before. And my guest today is Ashme Hoyland. She helps me pronounce her last name. I have known her for years. And you can tell when you listen to this interview, her energy and her sincerity is palpable. You can feel it. I was so excited to talk to Ashme about how she uses writing in her life and now she teaches writing courses in the lives of other people to help them heal. You don't have to be suffering from any major trauma. What I mean heal is self-care, restorative, like bringing power back to yourself, feeling a little more awesome than you did before. And then another cool thing that we get into is this idea of revealing, this idea of surprise, this idea of understanding ourselves better. And I think my favorite thing about this interview is that there are three very good tangible takeaways for how you can start very easily implementing these ideas in your life. I absolutely know that this is going to benefit you and I'm so excited for you to listen to it. You can find Ashme on Instagram at Birds of Ashme. She used to do all these painting and bird portraits. So be sure after the interview to go over there and give her some love. I want to share with you one other thing before we hop into it. We are bringing my Allison's Brand School How to Build an Awesome Brand Workshop on the road. We are going to, drum roll, give me a drum roll. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Arizona! We have never taken it on the road in this capacity. We're going to be heading there in November. We are going to be doing a blitz on ticket sales that can save you over $400. If this is something you have been interested in, I want you to get in on the ticket price that is going to save you all the money so you can text early bird blitz all one and it's easy to remember birds of ashme and now we're talking about the early bird blitz all one word to the number 31996. And all that's going to do is we're going to text message you when that blitz is happening so you don't miss on the three-day blitz with the ticket sales. I'm really, really excited about that. The Build an Awesome Brand Workshop is for anyone who has a project, an idea, a business, anything that they're trying to grow. If you have a message, if you have something in your heart, um, I am going to be able to help you extract it and communicate it in a way so that you can grow it and scale it and do what you feel called to do. Now let's get on with it with Ashme. Hello, my beautiful, awesome empire. I am so excited because I'm here with the, I already called you sensual, yes. voluptuous, <laughs> lovely, sexy, talented, and I'm going to add soul stirring, <laughs> Ashme Hoyland. Ashme is an old friend. We've known each other for... Over 10 years. Oh, yeah. I'm going to say like 15. Yeah. Do you remember when you worked at the flower basket? Yes. And I came in and I didn't know that you knew who I was and you were so nice and I was really flattered. I'm so glad you, that I was nice. But that I was, like to think I'm nice. You said, you're Ash May. And I said, I am. 
and you're still Ashmay. <laughs> and I'm still Ashmay. And you're still doing an amazing <laughs> job. So Ashmay is this beautiful artist and writer and now author. And the reason I wanted to bring Ashmay, there's so many things to talk to you about. We could talk about anything, the two of us. We've already cried at least three times together, <laughs> and it's only been an hour. But the thing I wanted to talk about is I am working on my book right now. And I took a week of time to go to St. George and I sequestered myself and I just focused on writing. And there was so much power in taking that time for myself and processing through my story. I had to stop myself because as I was writing my book, I was already writing a course and creating podcast material on encouraging other people to write. And I was like, you got to stop, Allison. You have to write your own book first. <laughs> Isn't that so me? I'm like, I'm not even done writing and I want to tell everybody yep. that they no. all need to write their story. <laughs> and I thought, you know what I'll do is I'll get somebody who has written books and has accomplished these things. <laughs> and has a course that helps people <laughs> learn how to write and bring that expert in, which is Ashmay, our expert, on the power of writing your own story, understanding that. So today what we're going to do is we're going to get into what that even means. And if you're totally turned off by this idea or think you're not a good writer or this is just a really self-indulgent type of thing to do. I'm really excited because Ashmay has so much insight as to why it's important, how healing it can be. I mean, what do you think honestly is the biggest benefit of, I'm not just saying telling your story, we're talking about writing. Yeah. Like, what do you think are some of the benefits? Like if you were going to sell someone on writing their own story. Yeah. I feel like I love selling people on writing because writing truly is a whole different ball game than speaking aloud mm. or thinking through things. And the thing that I love so much about writing is it allows us to be surprised by the things that we somewhere already know, but don't know that we know yet. Oh, um, wait, stop. <laughs> I love to be surprised mm -hmm. because I think surprise is an important part of desire yeah. and passion yeah. and energy and that idea of I always ask at my workshops who likes surprises and you know more than half the people will raise their hand and I'm like no you don't you like surprises that are what you want them to be mm. right yeah. But this, <laughs> yeah but this idea of surprising ourselves it's like keeping ourselves open so I was asked to write a book for a publishing house and they basically said, write your story, like write a memoir. And so I said, okay, I will. And so I had all of these thoughts and memories and ideas in my head. And I thought like, all right, memory, like I know what you are and I know what you mean and I know what you mean in the future and what you've meant in the past. And so I would go to work writing out those memories and there was not a single time. Um, so the book is kind of small vignettes and essays. And this is your um, 100 Birds Taught Me to Fly. So Ashmay has two memoirs, 100 Birds Taught Me to Fly and A New Constellation, as well as I love reading my kids the party book. What's oh yeah, The Lost Party. The Lost Party, yeah. which is about a bunch of animals 
I cry every time I read them the book. So do I, actually. Because the concept of the book is everybody's walking around feeling like they're not invited to the party and they don't have enough to give. Oh We're both sobbing. <laughs> and then the animals all come together and realize that all of their talents and all of their gifts make this beautiful party. Yes. This is, this is why Ashmi, Ashmi is so important. We have to talk about her books. Yeah. So both of those books, there was not a single thing that I wrote that I was not surprised by the ending line mm-hmm. and said like, oh, memory. Like, I didn't know that that's what you were also. It, of course, was the thing that I had imagined it to be. But in writing it, it became dynamic and in so many ways, so much more open ended than I had allowed my other thinking to be. Yeah, And I think in so many ways, writing allows us to take back our power because there's so much language given to us that I feel like we're kind of built of these little shells of language that are kind of handed to us. Like, here's what your story is and here's what it means. We'll give this to you. And I feel like writing is kind of the act of chipping away all of that and looking down at ourselves and saying, no, this is what it means. That's so beautiful. And I love that idea of the selling point of taking our power back. And I think Maybe life has always been this way. We love to think that because of social media and who knows, right? But uh, we had Georgia Anderson on the podcast a little bit ago, and she talked about this concept of how much are you playing versus watching other people play? And I thought of that when you were talking about this idea of all this language that is given to us. Even when we watch movies and television and read books and poetry and listen to podcasts, it's still somebody else giving our experience language. And Brene Brown talks about how that can be such an empowering experience to find language and commonalities, and it helps uncover shame and all of these things. But I love taking it, you know, further of that can be great sometimes to get you going, but I think you're going to get there by giving yourself the language. So we've established the importance of writing. So you can claim back your power. You're going to be surprised. It helps you realize things you didn't know. You didn't know. And I want to get into this first actionable, but are there any other points you want to touch on as to the benefits? So you've had hundreds of students go through a course that you do called Mind to Tell. And it's a course where the goal is to help the students write a story, their story. Yeah, I mean, we don't put a ton of parameters on it. It is personal writing. Yeah. Everyone has ended up writing a story of their own. Yeah. We say, like, you're not writing for your ancestors. You're not writing their stories. You're not writing for your children. Mm. You are only writing for yourself. And so a lot of those, we do a reading at the end. It's amazing to recognize, like, there have been quite a few women, like, 60 and older. And it's incredible to see, like, I don't think, in fact, I'm almost positive that these stories have never been written and articulated to the self, Mm. which I think is the most important thing. My most recent memoir, A New Constellation, was a book that I wrote in the three weeks immediately following my diagnosis with MS. It was a book that I wrote immediately following my diagnosis with MS back in December. And the thing that feels so important about it is that that is a story that could have easily been dictated to me and for me and about me. Like you were diagnosed with this really crappy disease, here's what it means for you and about you. 
And I think in writing immediately into that space, it allowed me to say like, no. I wanted to ask you this question because you wrote this within the three weeks of getting this diagnosis. Did you not feel like you needed time to process or the writing is the processing? Yeah. So in that case, the writing was the processing yeah. and it felt just so important to write that story first and foremost for myself before the whole situation was dictated to me or I didn't have claim over it because I didn't remember it. So it's not necessarily even a book about a diagnosis with MS. It's a book about, I guess, like what the world looked like in those moments right after. And I think that, again, that goes back to the power of writing. Like we don't have to have a really big thing happen, but I think dictating for ourselves and kind of looking and examining and being curious about what is immediately around us and then writing to that is an incredibly powerful and healing and empowering experience. What have you seen the writing of stories. And we're going to get into that first actionable item, which I love is not writing for an audience, writing for yourself. What have you seen the writing from your students do for them in their lives? Well, I think for so many of them in the course, a lot of hard things come up um, mm. and they're not necessarily fun things to write through. But I, we've never had someone say that they were sad that they had written through the thing. And so I think it is kind of this like take back of like there was something difficult that happened in my past or something that's difficult that it is happening now. And it is no longer somebody else's to tell about me. And I don't even have to use the language that I think I'm supposed to use to talk about it. So I think in so many ways, it's just grounding and healing. And I think it is such an act of self-care, maybe the greatest self-care, because once you heal yourself, then you can go out and help other people. So I think eventually with you writing your book, for sure, it will like go and do big things and you can teach about it. But primarily, you have to write it for yourself and let yourself be healed through that. And that's what has been so freeing about it is Courtney Kendrick, who you know and I know and we love, she recently wrote a blog post and talked about she realized that she likes writing as performance. And this struck a chord with me so deeply because I'm like, yes. It, writing is a form of performance for me. I'm just like a performer in my heart, whether or not I want to be or I think it's okay. It's something I've had to like look at, you know? And so to get to this place with my writing where it's something for me, but something that I don't have as much fun doing it if I don't think about it as performance, which is funny. The performance doesn't have to have an audience. When I think about it that way, that's when it finally clicked for me and I started being able to flow and write in a way that I felt really like flowy about basically. Yeah. And so I think it's just a really interesting conversation of, I love this idea of writing just for yourself. So that's the first actionable item is just to sit down and write and 
it's like nobody has to read it. Like you wrote your memoir in that three weeks. Did you think somewhere I'm going to have people read this or what was kind of your process? Yeah, yeah. And I don't mean to say at all, I don't think performative writing is a bad thing. Oh, no, no, no. I, I just fine. Yeah. yeah. I just, I recognize in my own life, the writing that I write to that end is pretty bad. Yes. Because it's, yes. it's hard to filter through so many audiences, because both I, good and bad. I thought that I needed to have a book agent and I needed to get all these things in place and I would sit down to write and I just couldn't get anything out. And I feel like I am a writer at my heart. I've always identified with that. And the second I took all of the parameters off of it, like, no, this is just for me. This is just what you want to write. Like, my favorite time to dance is when nobody's watching and then I can share it. That's why I like the internet. That's yeah. why I like podcasts. Yeah. I like having this conversation and then we can share it if we want to share it. We don't have to share it. But right now I'm not receiving any immediate feedback other than the one-on-one -on -one connection, which is what I like. And that is my absolute favorite. And so when I write that way, I'm so happy, right? It's like I'm just tap dancing for myself, essentially. Yeah, actually, in our class, we do this visualization, which I think is so useful, is we have... People picture themselves on stage reading something that they've written. We start out with different audiences, like all your critics who would be pissed mm -hmm. at whatever you're writing or would say it's not good enough. And you read to that audience. And then you have the audience like our moms and our sisters and whoever thinks like whatever we do is the best thing ever. And we read to that audience because they also influence what we do just as much and sometimes not for the better. And then we send everyone out of that little theater and you're standing on stage and you you look out and it's just you no, I'm already crying. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like it's just yeah. you in the audience that is the most beautiful and i think it, visualization i think it, it really is such a useful way to say like at some point the critics might come in and the people who love my stuff might come in but primarily i am doing this for me first and I have actually I love I write quotes in my little notebook and I, I have one that I, I love <laughs> I keep them in my phone I love it yeah um but this is by John O'Donohue who was a really lovely Irish poet and he says no one else has access to the world you carry around within yourself you are its custodian and entrance that's beautiful. Isn't that so nice? Yeah. That initially we have to be the custodian and entrance to this world that no one else can see it the way we see it. No one else can feel it the way we feel it. And that's what writing allows us to kind of enter in to that space of like, this is how I see things. And it doesn't have to resonate with anyone else. And it doesn't have to be correct or right according to any other audience helped you decide then to take this really personal writing that you wrote in the three weeks that you didn't necessarily write for any audience and to publish that as a memoir? Because I think I'm the same as you. Like, ultimately, I yeah. love the idea of performance. And I think because I recognized that I had done it as a genuine, authentic piece of like art or writing, whatever you call it, then because I wasn't doing either of the books to like please someone else, mm -hmm. um, then it felt okay to like, okay, now it can, like this has done really good work for me. Now I feel okay putting it out into the world and maybe it will like be useful for someone else as yeah. well. I love that. That's beautiful. So our first 
you know, goal mm-hmm. or, you know, go home <laughs> and get your notebook out, get your computer out and write for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I love that visualization of, you no, know, I'm not saying write, you know, for yourself, like write to yourself, write to the audience of you. Yeah. That's so beautiful. And what's your, your second one? <clears throat> so the second one is just a really practical exercise that I think is so... I found it to be useful, and when I've taught, people have also found it to be useful, and it's so basic. But basically, you get wherever you write on your computer or your notebook, and you just write at the top of the page in this very moment. Because I think we carry around a lot of fear that when I sit down to write, I won't have anything to say. And that's a legit fear. Like yeah. That happens to me a lot where I just sit down and think, I have, I don't have anything. Nothing interesting has ever happened to me. <laughs> nothing. Like, my kids never do anything funny. Like, I have nothing to say. And I think <laughs> this, this little exercise helps break through that and remind us, like, oh, we're probably fine. In this very moment. Yeah, so you write at the top of the page, in this very moment, and then you just write what is happening in this very moment. And the thing that I think is nice about this exercise is if nothing else, you can look around in the space you're in and you can describe something. Mm-hmm. You can, it's likely that you've talked to someone in the past 24 hours and you can write about that conversation or you have some random thought and you just write not with an ending in mind, but just to find curious threads and places that you can follow. Oh, and the last thing I think about this is even if you were sitting in like a white, boring room and hadn't talked to anyone for weeks, you would still be living in your body. And you can always, I end up writing a lot about my body because it's there. Like no matter where I go or what I do or what I try to escape, the body will always be there. And I think that is almost always worth writing to. So I think that as an actionable is really useful exercise. so interesting. I love that. And what would you say to someone who, and I'm sure you get this often, says, but I'm not a good writer. I don't know how to write. Or what are kind of like the obstacles people throw at you? Yeah, I think people love to have written. They don't love to write. Yes, (laughs) I don't ever want to write. I seriously don't. Why do I not want to do it? It's so hard. I mean, I talk about it, but I don't actually want to do it. No, like I am primarily a writer and it is still so hard for me to sit down and do it. And so, I mean, I think you have to be kind and gentle with yourself and recognize that the only way you get better at articulating your own story is to do it often. And the point for many people in writing is not to ultimately publish books. That can be, but I think seeing writing as an exercise in self-care and self-compassion and just looking at the self is a totally worthy endeavor no matter what that writing looks like. And you do get better. As you write, you get better. You don't have to be writing like anyone else which I think is the power of just writing for yourself. So a lot of times when I sit down and do that exercise in this very moment, I start out with a list and I just list things until something kind of gives me a little spark of like, oh, like there's like, I can feel that there's something there. I'm going to follow it. And you can call yourself a writer or not call yourself a writer. Again, that's the nice thing about writing for yourself is 
it doesn't matter. Like you're not doing this for anybody else's benefit but yours. So if you write something and even if it's terrible and feels dumb, if it was like satisfying to you and if it did something useful to you, then it's done its job. And we are so lucky to live in a time where we have language and we have like that we are taught in some way to use that language. And so, yeah, like it's a pretty beautiful cultural heritage that we get to participate in, even if we are not ultimately like professional writers. I love that. And it's been really interesting to note in my family, my mom is a writer and a teacher. I mean, she has a master's in British literature and my dad is a marketing guy, very smart. And my dad wrote, I think, two books. My mom helped before my mom wrote her books. Mm -hmm. And my sister, Andrea, who doesn't necessarily consider herself a writer. And I mean, growing up, like I was always in all of the highest English classes and writing essays. I've been blogging for years. I was on the newspaper. Like I would very much consider myself a writer. My sister, who does not consider herself a writer, has published multiple books. And this has just been, my brother Kirk is also a writer. Like he went to NYU, the dramatic school of writing, you know, and has been working on screenplays for years. And it's this interesting idea to me of when your identity is tied closely to something, it can actually be harder. And so I offer this up because I like this idea of, Maybe if you don't consider yourself a writer, you're at the best advantage. You, in you, some ways, you, yes. In some ways, you have an advantage <laughs> yeah. where your ego is not tied up so tightly in it that I think a big reason why I haven't published a book yet is because my ego was tied so tightly to it. I mean, in college, all I loved to do was write nonfiction essays. And I remember pulling these essays out a few months ago and reading them and just being floored. They were so good. And I'm like... I thought I couldn't write because nothing significant enough had happened to me. Like, I wasn't anyone. I had to accomplish all this stuff before I deserved or could earn my place to write or some sort of stories I told myself. And I'm reading these essays and I'm like, these would have been great. Like, I could have <laughs> put all of these in a book and done this years ago. But that time, my ego of like, I'm a writer, so I have to write this book and it has to be the best book and it has to be a New York Times bestseller with the first book. It's kept me from doing it for all these years. And so, I don't know, just an interesting idea if you don't consider yourself a writer. Most of the people I know who don't consider themselves a writer have put out the most books. <laughs> yeah, no, there was a point at which, so I had an editor for my first book and I was very nervous because it came in a series where the people who had written before me were, they were all male. Mm. I was the first woman to write for this particular publishing house, which is absurd. I kept writing my editor and saying like, I don't think I'm the right one to be writing this. Like you should ask someone else. All and how did they approach you? 
based on what project or something have uh, they seen? The editor had just read some of my writing yeah. on the internet yeah. and felt like I would be a good fit. So I was coming after this long line of like men with PhDs who were very intellectual, very successful. Luckily, I had this really gentle editor and I kept writing and like, I don't think, because all I could picture in my head were these critics and like yeah. I wasn't going to be enough for really intense feminists and it wasn't enough for like really traditional people. And he finally said like, listen, he said, nobody else is going to take you seriously until you take yourself seriously. And he said it in a very nice way. It like changed my paradigm of understanding about what I was doing. And I was able to take myself a lot more seriously after that, which is, it's a process to get there. But I think like not taking yourself so seriously that you have to like, feel like you have to do a huge yeah. thing in yeah. the end. Um, but just taking yourself seriously enough to say that what I am doing matters because I am doing it <laughs> like this like literally I had this thought what if I didn't ask myself why I should do something all the time what if the answer was just like because you thought to do it and it felt like a fun interesting thing to do and it doesn't have to be so much deeper than that because I think really one of my driving questions is like how dare I who am I which would I mean, anyone who listens to the podcast on a regular basis wouldn't be surprised by that, but I think would, you know, surprise the average passerby or who witnesses me, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but I love that idea of, you know, just taking that to someone to encourage them to write their own story with no intention of publishing or being a traditional writer with the idea of take yourself seriously enough to know that your perspective and your processing of your life's events matters. Yeah. Take your life seriously enough that you should reflect on it, yeah. which is a counterintuitive thought with social media. My kids and Eric are out of town, so I'm by myself, so I'm having a lot of thoughts. So I, <laughs> why I sound so thoughtful because I'm by myself. And I thought, how much different or similar would my life be without social media? Me, specifically, that I've built this stage for myself. And I'm like, I would have still built a stage. It would look a lot different, but... And I do think I love social media and I yeah. love writing to social media. Like, I think it's a beautiful space in which to do it. But I recognize that there are times when I have, like, gone too far beyond myself and I'm writing only yeah. to an audience. I have to just keep tabs on that and recognize when I'm doing that and then reel it back in and say, like, let's take some more time for myself. So I love social media and I'm glad that we share there. Yeah. And I'm glad that I get to use it as a platform for sharing my own writing. Me too. And I was saying to my mom, I can't believe I haven't written. I can't believe I've I ever written. And she goes, Allison, you write every day. She's like, your social media is writing. You've been writing for years. Yeah. She's like, you could publish a book of social media posts. And I was like, that's actually true. I've yes. written a lot. <laughs> I've written between my blog. And that was one thing that was so awesome. As I've been writing my book, I've been going back to old blog posts. Mm. And I've been so grateful that I had them yeah. to help me make sense of where I was at these different times. And so just to 10 years future self, having written stories 
of where you were in those moments, I think is just a really awesome thing to have. And not from this place of we have to remember everything and keep every memory, but from this place of making sense of the story as a whole, having insight into these certain periods of time has been very helpful. Like, why would I have done that? And I'm like, oh, because you were having an anxiety attack every day. Okay, that makes more sense. Why <laughs> yeah. I did, right? yeah, well, and I think with that book, A New Constellation, I knew I had to write it in that moment because I knew things would look different really soon after. And they did. They looked, yeah. and I could not remember what it was like to be in that space. And I couldn't go back and write into that space. Yeah. And so it just, it felt like an urgency to say, I don't need to write what this means necessarily, but I want to articulate what the world looks like from this vantage point. Mm, I love that. So what is your third tip for helping people get started on wanting to write and writing? So often when we, especially as women, go to write, we feel like, well, I have to chronicle the entire family vacation for my kids and my posterity and the great grandkids in case they wonder what we did in Hawaii. Yes. Um, like they need to know it all. Yes. And that writing is actually not fun. It's the worst. It's, like it just feels like a task. I've started multiple even like private Instagram accounts thinking I'll just for chat books chronicle the vacation and then I don't do it in the moment and then I don't want to go back and do it and then it sits empty. Yeah. So this is exactly what you're saying. <laughs> yes. Yes. So and I think we put this weird pressure on ourselves of like we are the keeper of these things because yeah. obviously the men aren't writing it down. Yes. <laughs> like, Eric's actually way better at it than I am. Um, so the third thing I would say is instead of thinking of our life as like these horizontal like timelines where we have to like write down all the things until we get to the next thing, just pick a single point. So when we think about our day, instead of writing every single thing that happens throughout the day, pick a single point and turn that into kind of a vertical understanding. I love that visual. So that we have a more dynamic understanding of who and what we are. The task of like just chronicling everything is is hard. It sounds and, boring. And boring. I don't want to do it. No. But the idea of like picking a single moment from the day and writing into that and seeing like, what did that mean? Like, I loved when I passed by that bush of really pretty flowers. I'm just going to write about that. And that is my story for the day or like a single phrase that one of my kids says or a single thought that I have like I don't need to chronicle every single thought I can just pick one and move up and down from there rather than thinking horizontally I love that and I love that exercise of if you're just stuck on that that exercise of in this very moment and even your idea of making a list and then gravitating towards the one that sparks something for you and I think that's so much of life is what's the thing that sparks something for you? Do we overlook that? Do we not overlook that? I feel like it's easy to overlook the importance or like the weight of something sparking something for you. We just can pass right by it. And that's like a, an exciting experience. Yeah. To give ourselves permission to say like, for some reason, like that tree that I always pass by on my walk is important and important enough for me to spend some time writing through, that permission feels like an important thing to give ourselves. Okay, that was awesome. Seriously, I love how many times Ashmi and I would just start both kind of crying. Like she would say... <laughs> 
<laughs> she would say a sentence or a quote and my eyes would well up with tears and then I would say something and she would fill it and her eyes would well up with tears. I don't think the two of us could like get very far together, but we definitely are going to feel everything really, really deep. Thank you again, Ashmay. Please go tell her how much you love her and appreciate her and check out all of the amazing courses and guided courses that she has um, on writing. And you can find her again on Instagram at Birds of Ashmay. And that's A-S-H-M-A-E, Birds of Ashmay. And her website is ashmay.com, A-S-H-M-A-E.com. We are going to link to her books. We're going to link to her in the show notes. And the show notes are always on my blog. And did you know that the show notes on my blog take like those top three things that we talk about in each episode or the tangible takeaways and we list them out there. So if you're ever driving or you're on the go and you wish that you had a recap, just go to the allisonshow.com, that's Allison with one L, and go to podcasts and we have all of the podcast episodes with show notes on all of them. And Julie has been helping me do those show notes. And it's been so great because I love you guys being able to take real steps and actions on the topics that we share here. So last month, August, was our biggest month on the podcast ever. Yeah, there's a dramatic jump. It's pretty, it's amazing. We are so grateful and we are so excited. And we absolutely know without a doubt that the reason we had our best month ever is because of you guys sharing. There's really no other way that we grow. And I really want to thank you so much. We appreciate it. We love the work that we do here. And we always say that sharing is caring. We have been sharing people on Instagram who tag the Allison show and talk about the podcast. And I've been sending little treats and goodies to people. And then every week we love to read a review and we're going to send you some goodies from my party with Allison swag shop. So what do you got for us? This is from Maddie LRB. She says, this podcast helps me keep my mind right on a weekly basis. I've grown so much over the last year or so of listening in. And I finally had the guts to just start my little business dream. (gasps) Yay, Maddie. Good for you. She says, thanks guys for your honesty, relatability, and your drive to always be better because it's certainly spreading. Oh, Maddie, thank you so much. Please shoot us an email to awesomewithallison at theallisonshow.com with your address so we can get you lots of our goodies. You guys are doing, you're doing a really good job. But you know what? It doesn't matter that you're doing a really good job because you have value. You are whole regardless of your performance, regardless of your achievement. Like Ashmay talks about in her interview, there is value in you doing it because you are a person doing it, period. Isn't it funny? I think some of us really need that message. Maybe it doesn't resonate with you. That is a message that I really need. And over the last couple of days, the thought that I have been giving myself is what you're doing in this moment is enough. What you're doing in this moment is enough. And I just want to share that with you as you go into the rest of your day, the rest of your week, whatever you're doing in this moment right now is enough because you are enough and you have value just from being here. I want to remind you that only you can be you and you are already as awesome as you need to be. What are you going to take us out on, sucker? Brand new song. This is called Friday Harbor. It's in the World Traveler Collection. Use code Awesome with Eric for 20% off at pleasantpictures.club. You can take refuge in my harbor. (laughs) 